Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in this world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us in the room is Katie Gosh. How are you doing, Katie? Very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, you are the CEO of Women's Aid, as well as a campaigner and lawyer. Previously, you were a director of the British Institute of Human Rights and before that worked as a barrister and for a number of charities. You were the national chair of the Yes to Fairer Votes campaign in the 2011 Alternative vote referendum quite the cv so quite a cv uh, a lot of very good causes um you and i met because i've been um, involved a bit with the fundraising of women's aid um just talk to us a bit talk to our audience a bit about what women's aid does and, and what its ultimate aim is please women's aid is an incredible cause an incredible charity our ultimate goal is to have a world where everyone can live free from fear and free from abuse and our specialism and it was started up by incredible women in the 1970s is domestic abuse so that's abuse in intimate partner Mm. relationships and we both try to tackle the root causes including educating young people about healthy relationships because it because it starts with it with with women under under 25 doesn't it very much so in fact i was in birmingham yesterday Mm. talking to um, a woman about a new project there for younger women between 16 and 25 they're actually the most at-risk group yeah but people people don't know that right No. no and we need to think about how we offer them the support that they need and sometimes that also means the information to spot warning signs in the relationships and to know what we should all expect respect in our relationships, but yeah. not all of us do. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. So, um, ultimate aim of Women's yeah, so Aid. Yeah, ultimate aim. So, we want a world where everyone can live free from fear yeah. and free from abuse. That's in our relationships, but also it's in the workplace, it's yeah. in the streets, where we still have a, a lot of sexual harassment. And we tackle the root causes and we also provide that support. What is it that women and children need right now? It might be emergency refuge. It might be some information about what coercive and controlling behaviour is. So we come at this from all angles. And, you know, one of the things that certainly when I when I talk to people, I have talked to people about women's aid, is is often people go, well, I think violence against men is a bad thing as well. And you must have had that conversation Um, why women's aid yes so very practically speaking in the 1970s there was nowhere for women to go for help and domestic abuse was so much behind closed doors that it was actually called you know a domestic it wasn't named as Mm. violence against women and girls we absolutely agree that every survivor of domestic abuse women and men Mm and trans people mm. should have the support that they need our specialism is working with women and children actually 42 percent of our member local domestic abuse services also offer support for men but the in terms of the proportion of victims of this kind of violence it's predominantly women it's predominantly women who are the victims and men who are the perpetrators mm. and, and it's really important we recognize that Mm. because only through acknowledging it as a gendered crime can we really begin to tackle the root causes and also make sure that the victims get the support they need and there Mm. are some differences between men and women in terms of what they want Mm. um yeah so what can i do right now so for the general listener but also me as a as a man what do i do to help so there's no room for bystanders and there's lots you can do to help you can sign our petition to help 
safeguard the future of life-saving refuges. You can become a campaign champion Mm -hmm. and have your voice heard in all of our campaigns. And the first step to do that is sign up to our newsletter. And you can also become a regular giver, which makes a huge difference by helping our incredible network of services to do their life-saving work every day. Sure. Um, And is there any softer ways for me to do it like is there anything that I can recognize in the way that I deal with my wife or you know because that, that's how I help women's aid but in terms of just helping the, the situation is there anything I can do to well, and also, educate myself I should say um, Andrew's a big football fan as well um, yeah. and you were saying you you work a lot with football clubs so perhaps you yes. can talk about that as well absolutely it's it's about as a football culture fan, help, so yeah. what can we do we you may have um uh a sister a neighbor a family friend who you're worried about perhaps they're in an abusive relationship listening to people believing them Mm. and supporting them is really important and also not getting frustrated or judging them for not leaving an abusive relationship leaving is very hard Mm. and sometimes women go back to relationships Mm. but you can be there and you can be a true friend by listening and also there is help out there women's aid and refuge run a telephone helpline we have information on our website so knowing the help that is out there and helping your friend or, or neighbour mm. or family member to access that help can make a, a big difference as well. Mm. And I think the thing you said about n- no room for any bystanding, um, there is still, I don't know if you just want to touch on the incidents of um, violence you know, every day and, and indeed death by um, this kind of violence is still rife, isn't it, in the UK? Two women on average die a week killed by a partner or an ex-partner the period of time after you've left an abusive relationship can be the most dangerous time when you're still stalked and harassed and and there can be threats to to kill made against you so this is a very real problem and also the nature of domestic abuse is it does happen behind closed doors so there are an awful lot of survivors of domestic abuse who are suffering in silence so we can all all do our, our and there's bit. a lot of shame still associated with it i think as well if you're a victim of it aren't isn't there and 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 why do you think that is that's well i think it's really hard for any of us to admit that the person we fell in love with yeah isn't now behaving in the way they are but we probably still love them and I was talking to a woman not long ago who said, I didn't stop loving my husband. I really wanted his behaviour to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a big step for somebody to admit that something that might look nice on the outside isn't great. Also, we have situations where the abusive partner will isolate the woman and it's very hard then and they may even tell their friends or family that their partner is mentally ill and don't listen to her and they will fabricate an alternative reality and that's quite hard to challenge if you find yourself in that situation and I think looking out for it with your friends um and and as you say supporting them is is just so powerful yes and and keep the conversation going or, yeah. or find yeah. find ways for them to open up in their own time um you were chief executive of the electoral reform society which is obviously quite a different kind of campaign um would you like to talk a little bit about what needs reforming and and and, and where we are on that absolutely so it's a 
important organisation because it's looking at the health of our democracy. Mm. We are an old parliamentary democracy and as a result, mm. quite a lot of our processes and procedures are creaking at the seams. We have an unelected House of Lords. Yep which isn't democratic and doesn't have that legitimacy and I think can feel very out of touch and it always shocks people to learn that House of Lords, members of the House of Lords um, can claim £300 a day tax-free regardless of how much time they spend at work. So it's quite an old-fashioned institution so that's something that ERS wants to change but also changing the voting system to make sure that all voices are heard, all votes are valued and that there's a fair apportionment of seats by party. And really, um, one of the things I found interesting coming to Women's Aid was having talked about power in the abstract or in a constitutional sense, and now I'm dealing with power and control in people's intimate partner relationships, so the link's been an interesting one. So do you think there's a mirror? Well, I think there is, because what we've heard recently through the Time's Up social movement and me too is a challenge of the abuse of power Mm. and that can happen in politics and we've seen it happen from Hollywood to Westminster and it can also be mirrored and reflected in people's own relationships as well. How do you change the voting system so every voice is heard? What's the goal? Well, we now have a patchwork of voting systems in the United Kingdom. So we have fairer voting systems in the Scottish Parliament and in the Welsh Assembly. We have an old-fashioned first-past-the-post system at Westminster. It will take more than one party to get behind this and want to take the reins of power and then to give some of that power up, and that's quite a challenge for politicians. So... What is it in the in you that makes you so passionate about these different causes to go out of your way to, to really push for them? I think I was born with a sense, a burning sense of injustice and I was quite involved with local environmental campaigns oh, with yeah. my mum growing up when a road near us was going to be built through a beautiful part of the South Downs. So I suppose I've always been involved in campaigning and I've been lucky to be able to work on women's rights in lots of different ways. So mm. as a barrister representing women and seeing how their experiences of seeking asylum weren't really recognised mm. and understood and then also working on women's rights and poverty at the British Institute of Human Rights and at the Electoral Reform Society a lot of work on women's representation Mm. and tackling the ridiculous fact that it would take for my daughter to be who's very little to be claiming her pension at the current rate of change for equal numbers of women and men to be around the top decision making tables. just not fast enough is it? Um, What do you think what do you think it will take to change that I mean obviously it's a cause close to my heart as well um, that the number of women at tops of business are um, and in law firms and in uh, government as you say are underrepresented the FTSE 100 has gone backwards not forwards what what what's have you got a quick fix thought it may not be quick but we have to sort out the domestic sphere until caring responsibilities are equally shared then you're not freeing up women's time to go and be in public life and I think there's a very strong connection between the private sphere and the public sphere and you're simply not going to have the time the energy or the resource to do that public work if you're doing the lion's share at home I I, I, I do think I think it's one of the I've never seen a published statistic on it that the proportion of people running business companies, government, who have a full-time stay-at-home partner or no family versus the ones that 
have a partner who works as well absolutely full-time stay-at-home partner would would win and most of those people are still men so it's almost if you if you take the gender out of it and you just go yes you need people at the top of you know who've got the time because because they've got a full-time stay-at-home partner and I just wonder if actually for any business to invest in very very good executive assistance for their senior management irrespective of gender would be one way of shortcutting it and maybe that's what the government needs to do I don't know yeah absolutely and I think it's also recognizing the myriad of caring responsibilities I mean I'm now very typical to be in my 40s and have parents in their 80s yes yeah. and young ch- child as well so and that's not more untypical you, my partner and a, I we yeah. share everything yeah. we share all the household responsibilities does he which work enables full-time me, yes yeah. which enables both of us to do the jobs we do yeah and, and I, that I think that's still rare it's, it is yeah. relatively unusual yes mm. yeah changing I was, I was really. at a party uh, my wife's nan's birthday on the weekend and uh, the cousins so there's a lot of people on my age there and I've got an 18 month old and some of the family had an 18 month old and my daughter's nappy needed changing so I said you know I'll do it and one of the guys went oh god I haven't, haven't times changed and that's like, <laughs> <laughs> but he and he meant it he really yeah. meant it because yeah. when you first said it, I thought do you just mean the first year and I kind of get why it makes more sense for the mum to be with the child in the first no, year no that's not what he meant no you mean you mean? You mean moving just all the time, which makes sense. Um, what's next? Well, I've had a whirlwind of a first year at Women's Aid, and yeah. I've been all over the country meeting some of our 180 members. It's very grassroots, isn't it, Women's Aid? Yeah. It is, and it's been um, and it's, that's member organisation. That's right. So we're we're the um, um, umbrella, yeah, yeah. Um, umbrella body, and 180 incredibly varied organisations, mm. all of them a lifeline yeah. for women and children facing domestic and very abuse. Very often set up by women who've been through struggles themselves and then they've just gone I want I, I want no one else in my area to have to go through this that's absolutely yeah. right yeah. there are so many women bringing their own insights and experiences mm. I visited one of the first refuges I visited the woman who runs the refuge takes enormous pride in the small details and she showed me the room that women are given absolutely brand new bedding, crockery, everything is beautiful. And she herself had had the experience of going into a refuge and the moment when you think I might just turn around and go back again. So women's dignity having been stripped away from them and they may arrive with nothing but the clothes on their back. So all of that practical side of it is really important. So yes, it's the survivors of domestic abuse Mm. I've never come across a group who are so giving. All they want yeah. is for nobody else to go through yeah. I mean, what they the have. I mean, some of the stories are amazing, aren't they? Yes, yeah. yeah. And we work, I was talking about our campaign Champions Network, yeah. but also Survivor Ambassadors. We work with them to have their voices heard. And one of our campaign victories with a woman called Mahela Osborne, she has campaigned to make the right to be anonymously on the electoral register mm. much yes, easier I remember that, yeah. and that was because of her experience she couldn't yeah, believe that she wasn't she... able to she had to keep her location confidential so she lost her vote so she lost the right to vote and so she's campaigned and she's changed the law for others to benefit which is brilliant um so that was this year next next more of the same or or starting to make some changes or Definitely. There is so much to be done because we have an opportunity in the next year. The government is going to be producing a new law 
to tackle domestic abuse we want we have a lot of ambitions for that we want domestic abuse to become everyone's business and that includes private companies and we think that more and more employers are waking up to the fact that they need to be there for victims of domestic abuse among their workforce will be many victims of domestic yes. abuse who need, who should have the encouragement and we want them to build on the good work that many companies are doing around mental health and well-being yeah and turn their attention to domestic abuse. So that's going to be a big priority for us. And also sustainability. We can have the best criminal justice changes Mm. and help make sure the police give a good response. But if there's no practical services for survivor of domestic abuse, then those changes won't really have an impact. Oh, interesting. Uh, We're now on to the regular questions we ask everybody, just to get to know them. Uh, The first one is, what is your favourite lyric? It's um, uh, are we are we human or are we dancer the kill, the killers <laughs> yeah. that was being played a lot when my daughter was born in two thousand and eight so it's a family that favorite. Is a, that is a lovely song. Um, okay, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? Definitely coffee or a coffee maker um, to feed my addiction. Any mm. particular? What? How do you take your coffee? Um, just with milk. Okay. Yes, but it would have to be but good proper quality, coffee. proper coffee. Proper coffee. Yes, yeah. Um, so really good coffee. Uh, walking boots, absolutely love mountain hiking. And on a similar theme, a tent. Okay. I love camping. And kind of the smaller, more lightweight tent, the better. Where's your favourite place you've camped? Oh, I love um, a place in Pembrokeshire near St David's. Yeah. A beautiful campsite that's just on a cliff mm. and you just walk a minute down onto the beach it's a really oh, beautiful okay. we call it silver sands because of a children's storybook about a mermaid but actually it's called white sands if anybody wants to check I, it out I, I know white sands i'm from wales so it's, it's oh well, there you uh, go so that's three that's three um what else um it will definitely something I, well, I have a, a love of cats and I always have a cat calendar in my life <laughs> so okay. a good quality cat, cat I've got calendar. one that has a, a photo of a cat every every day um, oh and a table tennis bat right. I love oh, playing table tennis yeah, yeah. Um, so your house is in a disaster but everything that's alive your cats your children partner <laughs> everything is safe every, but what three things would you go rushing back to get I would save my dad's journal from when he left India and he came to England on a Vespa scooter took about five and a half months in the 1950s and he drove from India on a scooter yeah yeah with a friend and actually coming back to table tennis he was a he was the under 21s doubles champion in India so they used to play table tennis matches to sort of get them around the place a little what, bit of money what, what sort of kind of like a like a a, a ringer he'd kind of go in and go I, I, I bet you're five or I can beat you at tennis that's <laughs> it <laughs> that's fantastic and then they'd appear in the local newspaper yeah. so anyway he's got an amazing journal which now we're talking about it you've reminded me I need to find somebody to help me photocopy it because I'm a bit terrified I've only got this one yeah yeah, yeah. copy people would love that and genuinely would love that Yes. Yeah, we should think about that. You should think yeah. about that because it mm. sounds like a wonderfully quirky story. Well, I've yes. read two books. One's called Odd Shaped Balls, which is about a guy who goes from London to Australia on a road bike looking for people to play rugby with. And there's another one who does exactly the same journey but with cricket. People love this stuff. Well, if there are any right. publishers out there listening <laughs> to us, please email the programme. So that's one. Yes. Um, I think a photo of my 
daughter um, as a baby. We've got a very sweet one of her, a wedding with her kind of favourite rabbit that we still managed to hang on to. Um, And I think probably um, our amazing new state-of-the-art lightweight three-person tent. (laughs) <laughs> which will come in useful <laughs> the pin of disaster very, very practical <laughs> most practical um, books um, which book have you given away the most or, or what's your favourite book or, or both in fact well the book I think that probably aside from 1984 which has made the most impression of, on me and really kind of stays with me is by an author called Richard Cormier and I think it's actually a children's book or a, an adult yeah. te- a teenager's book and it's called I Am The Cheese and it's one of those books I read and I didn't really quite understand that actually I think it was probably about the Second World War and the Holocaust and okay. I don't think I fully appreciated it yeah. but it really stays with you it's a very haunting book about a boy who's on a journey to find his mother and it's quite chilling and um but it's a brilliant book I'd recommend fabulous um change the world yes if you could change the world in one way (laughs) one way right now what would it be well it would have to be something to do with my current role one of the things I find really frustrating and I want to do something about is these the stubbornness of the social issue you know some social issues are changing they're moving and although domestic abuse is coming out of the shadows and we're becoming more aware perhaps because we're becoming more aware we're unearthing more of it and the 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 killings of women by men yeah. who they've been in a relationship with that is not changing and, and that's what I'd really like to tackle don't necessarily when they're reported it won't say murder it will say a domestic incident or something I mean I, I find that astonishing that, that you know the, the newspapers and the BBC news websites it will go a a, a, a woman and, and child died there will be nobody you know else involved in it but it won't be just 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 not talked about as if it's actual violence it's uh, it's very hangs on those kind yes. of cultural yeah trappings yeah and even even worse some of the media reporting is really shocking and will often be very very sympathetic about the killer or sort of suggest he was he was going through a difficult divorce and all the rest of it and 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 his business wasn't going well as if as if Mm. that made any of it okay yeah and they're treated as isolated incidents which is why women's aid with karen and gala smith produced the femicide census that is a tribute to the women who were killed it it brings forward their stories but it also seeks to understand the patterns so that we can better prevent it because the patterns are very repetitive yes and the police are aware of those patterns and yet often aren't either powerless or or haven't it's not on their agenda to prevent in a way that they could do or that's right they're not um they're not joining up the dots and the domestic homicide reviews which are the the investigation when there has been a homicide often reveal that so many agencies knew about the risks the concerns but they didn't all come together to do the preventative work um so if i was to give you a uh, billboard where would you put it and what would it say it would say um don't ask me where i'm from (laughs) ask me where i'm going to very nice. Where would you put it? I put it on a T-shirt oh, for <laughs> maximum coverage. <laughs> uh, the final question, which you can't prepare for, uh, is from this. It's a box. It's a toolkit for careers from the School of Life, Alan de Boisson's place. Uh, so if you could pick one of these at random, uh, read it, and then answer it, please, Katie. Great. 
oh wow this is spot on what we've already talked about is there an unavoidable choice to be made between being a good parent and being a successful professional and the answer is there shouldn't be Mm. yeah there still is for many people many women in particular but I think that one of the answers to this is I find in my experience that women will think they have to be twice as good as the man even to apply for the job and I often say to them think about who you're up against you don't you probably need to be half as good exactly and get in there this is such (laughs) a big point (laughs) I'm I'm just coming from running a team of girls and it's a team of mainly girl women women there might be women Uh, I always get told off for that um and uh but boys is fine for men that annoys me girls (laughs) always call men boys and um it, it, it it's so classic of them having if you've got a man and a woman going for the same job they've both yeah. got heart they're both half qualified the woman will only see what she can't do yeah. and the man will see what she can and it's mm. it's, it's so poor that yeah. it, 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 it seems to be a acceptable. very very broad gender change yeah. that that happens generation yeah. after generation so, after generation so do we need to change mm. the way we we do jobs we, we uh, yeah, jobs? Uh, yes mm. is the answer Fine. yeah <laughs> and talent spot it makes yeah. a big difference yeah. I know in local politics where parties have successfully recruited women who and um women from diverse backgrounds who wouldn't have put themselves forward it's been Mm. suggested to them you'd be good for this and then they've ended up you know being in mayor and and doing a really good job but i I think you're absolutely right i think with job descriptions changing something from the candidate will have an excellent grasp of which blokes will tend to go yeah i've got an excellent grasp of that and women will go well i've i think i know my stuff but would I call it excellent? Mm. And actually just rewording it so that it's less showy-offy is, it will encourage more women yeah. to apply. Um, so. uh, anyway, we could talk about it all day. <laughs> yeah. uh, Casey Ghosh, thank you very much for your time. Oh, pleasure, thank you. Thank you.